Well, good morning. Well, you guys have coffee in you already, so you have to be ready to go. That's why the difference between the first crowd and the second crowd, first crowd, they're, it's just hitting the bloodstream. Second crowd jacked up, right? So let, let's try that again. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Starbucks. I smell it. It's good to be here. Um, just a couple things that, that I want to say before I get started. First of all, I want to thank you as a church for your partnership in carrying the gospel throughout Latin America. Um, every time you put your uh, hard-earned, hard-worked money, uh, and I know you do it out of a heart of love, into the box or you go online and you give, part of that goes to reaching people with the gospel around the world. And uh, I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for just being faithful and being there to hold the ropes, if you wish, for those of us who are hanging on them, trying to reach others and rescue others uh, through the power of God's grace out of darkness. And then uh, a new update, my son, he's 21, but he's married now, finishing his last year at University of North Texas, and we have a grandbaby on the way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Little baby Jubilee. She should be born, and it's a little girl in July, so we're pretty excited. We're going to be grandpa and grandma. I, uh, we, don't, we haven't picked out our name yet, you know, what we want to be called. We thought Lolly and Pop, but eh, that's kind of dorky. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've got different things, but we just don't want to be dorky, you know? So we're working on that really, really, really good. So would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much because, God, you, you are the reason we are here today. And we just finished last week Easter, and it's so exciting. Christ is risen because of what you've done, God. We are here today, but now we are looking forward. And we pray that you would help us to not be paralyzed in amazement, but activated by the fact that he has risen. Speak through your word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, I'm going to put up a, a picture to kind of give myself away, but we are uh, second generation missionary kids. My wife and I, we actually fell in love when we were really young. Uh, my wife and I knew each other since we were four years old, and then when she was 10, she went to the altar and prayed that she would marry me. And so I had like, she pulled the God card. I was done. I mean, I was like, this is going to happen, right? And then uh, I was going out as a missionary and went to her father's church to preach. And there she was. And we kind of rekindled. And that night we even sang together. I mean, that's like legit. And we were married three months later. I mean, we knew we were supposed to be together. So both being second generation missionary kids. Let me show you this picture. Uh, this is us as a family right there. That little one holding up the peace sign. That's me. Uh, I know, big head. And what I'm, the right picture here is what I want to talk to you about this morning to kind of set up the idea of what we're going to cover. So in Mexico, the houses are uh, concrete walls, concrete ceiling, concrete floor, which is phenomenal for tornadoes. I mean, I heard, I heard you guys get a lot of those over here. And no problem in Mexico. Everything's tied together. But it also presents opportunities to have a lot of fun. Well, every Friday, my dad and mom, they had gone to the mission field since I was five months old and very committed, did a wonderful work. But every Friday, 
they would go out and do shut-in visits and visit people in the church who had needs. And they left six of us kids, I was the youngest, home. And they left a very clear instruction, two things we had to do. Number one, no fighting. Now, do you think we obeyed that? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I mean, it got bloody. No fighting. Second, clean the house. Yeah, childhood labor. Literally, it took us probably an hour and a half to do it. We split up the house, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, three outdoor patios, and we had this shotgun hallway that went from the very back of the house where there was a patio door to the front door of the house, and it was just... And then on this side, you had the dining room, living room, bedrooms, everything, but shotgun hallway. So we would wait for my dad and mom to leave, and we would watch. He had this diesel Ford truck. We would listen to that engine, right? And it would take off, but don't go yet. Hold up. You got to wait till you see him loop and see him leave. <laughs> so then they would loop, and then we would, it's legit. All right, take your positions. We would bring in the garden hose, and we would water the hallway get it nice and wet, and then we would begin to spread detergent, just like if we were doing the holy water thing, right? We were spreading detergent, and we would create Mexico's largest slip and slide. It was wonderful. Well, this particular day, my dad forgot his Bible. There weren't apps either. I mean, like, you had to have your Bible. He comes back, And I was wondering why my siblings, they dispersed. I mean, they're like, and I'm alone. So I'm like, woohoo, to myself. So I go outside the house, and the house, you have to step up to get into the hallway, and you take off running outside, and then you belly plant and just go till you smack the door. Bam! And that was the the funnest part was hitting the door because you had to know how to do it. And so I take off running. Just imagine that little kid there. Skiing. And just at the right time, my dad opens the door. And I go, boom, right through his legs. What can I say? I mean, I don't need a defense attorney. I'm busted. I just got up, went straight to the bedroom, man. I'm like, I'm going, I already know. This was back when we believed in spanking. Um, I was ready to go. So we had two things to do. Don't fight. Get the house clean. And he left us a bucket of supplies. We had everything we need to do what we were supposed to do. Well, that's kind of like what we're going to talk about today. Easter's finished. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Woo! But what are we going to do? Wait until next year comes around and do it all over again? Go buy a nice outfit, show up at church? Or is there a deeper meaning to he is risen? For those who don't know Christ, he is risen means that now there is a way to enter into the family of God, to be forgiven of your sins, and to go to heaven, and to live eternally with God. But it's not just fire insurance, it's actually a relationship with God. Reconnect with your Creator. But for those who are saved, he is risen is way deeper than that. What it literally means is, we have something to do until he comes back. And he's been very specific, and he left us two things. He left us a great commandment, and I want you to look at this real quick. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, or 22, verse 37 through 40, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he said, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then he says, secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. So what he's saying is, he's saying that I want you to love God completely, know who you are in Christ. I want you to love your neighbor compassionately, and then I want you to love yourself correctly. See, if you don't love God, then you love yourself in the selfie way, right? TikTok. Uh, it's all about you. It's all about your, your coffee. Want it now. I want everything for me. I'm inconvenienced. I don't like this. It makes me feel bad. I need a safe space. See? But when you love God completely, you understand that, that, that in Christ we are slaves, and slaves have no rights. We're given over to him to do whatever he says, and we do it gladly because he only has the best interest in mind, our interest in mind. And so he says, guys, love the Lord your God with all your heart, then love your neighbor as yourself. But then he left us the great commission. He said, look, great commandment, love God, love your neighbor, and just do it right. Great commission, notice what he says, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go therefore, and I know you guys have heard this so much. You've got D groups, and Terry talks about this. I mean, this is like a big deal at Connect Church. Go therefore, and say it with me out loud. You've got to know this by memory. Make disciples where? That's what I want to talk about, that last part of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as much as it pains me to do this, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful because I am no way trying to beat you up. I'm actually talking to myself, letting you listen, okay? But as a church, we are doing a terrible job as the body of Christ in general in the world of fulfilling the Great Commission, we're literally playing slip slide with soap and water. Let me tell you what I mean. We have gone from number one to number nine in sending missionaries around the world in America. We used to be number one. We used to export the most important product we had, which was the gospel. Not only that, when you add up in the world all the Christians, if you add up all the Christians in the world, it's said that on Sunday, when the offerings are taken, only 2% of every dollar received goes to world evangelism to the Great Commission. 2%. Two pennies? And today, if we were trying to send out a missionary, it would take seven churches to come together and maybe one missionary out of the crowd would be called to go and prepare. Maybe. Barna took a poll, and this is up there now. He took a poll, and this is what he asked all churchgoers in America. Have you heard of the Great Commission? This is scary, okay? Look at this. 55% or 51% said, nope, never heard of it. These are churchgoers. 25% said, yeah, I've kind of heard that little catchphrase, Great Commission, but I have no clue what it means. 6% said, I don't know, whatever, yeah, where's my coffee? Only 17% said, yes, and this is what it means. That's sad. 
But that's the state of the church today. You see, we've got to get back to the main purpose of the church. And the main purpose of the church is not our comfort, although it's nice. It's not about our buildings. Are there, it, you've got to have those to reach people. It's not about my comfort and what you can give me. And I enjoy the worship and I enjoy the messages and about me. It's not about me. It's about getting out the great gospel of Jesus Christ and fulfilling the Great Commission. So you might be asking, Doug, okay, great, got it. Great Commission. I need a little more information. Where did all this start? That's probably what you're asking. Where did all this begin? Well, let's go back to a text we did, Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. Notice what it says. Jesus Christ is training his disciples. He calls them. You remember they're at the Sea of Galilee and they're fishing. He said, come after me. If you will follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He's saying, if you will come after me, I will transform you. You'll have a, an identity in me. Your identity will be properly placed and lived out. And as a result, it's just a natural result, you'll be fishers of men. You'll fulfill the Great Commission. And he says, after he's done all this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now Jesus Christ dies, raises again. We already celebrated Easter last week. And then we go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and he's getting ready to leave. And before he leaves, he's leaving them very precise instructions. And he says, guys, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, and as a result of that power, you will be my witnesses. And notice he says where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, what's he trying to say? You're going to be my witnesses in Tupelo, in Alabama and Tennessee, in the U.S., in the entire world. So the Great Commission did not stop with Tupelo. And it wasn't pick one or the other. It was all or nothing. It's all of it. You have to do it all. So if you read the book of Acts, how many of you have read through the book of Acts? It is fascinating. So if you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is split up in three parts. Chapters 1 through 7 in Acts you'll notice that the disciples are in Jerusalem and they start the church. Historically, it's said that that church grew close to 100,000 people. I mean, that's a big church. But here was the problem. They were getting really comfortable in Jerusalem. Man, the church was growing. And so God raises up a guy by the name of Saul. How many remember Saul? To persecute the church. Why? Because whenever the church is persecuted and scattered... For some reason, it becomes evangelistic, right? That's what we're going through right now. And I think it's still coming to America. Listen, don't say, God, please don't judge. God is going to judge America. That's too, too late. We've killed way too many babies. We've already, we've already done the damage. It's God, make me effective while you judge America, right? Help me reach the world. So Saul is raised up. And the church disperses, and it's fascinating because that ushers in the second part of Acts, chapter 8, all the way to chapter 13 or chapter 12. And it says, And then those who were scattered abroad went to the regions of Judea and Samaria proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> wow, what about that? 
fresh thought. Isn't that what he told them in Acts 1.8? And then you see Saul, who is now called Paul. God changed his name. He's teaching in the church at Antioch, the first church where they were called Christians. And it's awesome. Teaching there. And the Holy Spirit says, separate ye Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to do. And they go out and they start reaching the world. So you see it? First part of Acts, Jerusalem. Second part of Acts, reaches out into Judea, Samaria. Last part of Acts, the world. And then Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth. This is the fourth part. And he says, guys, I'm going to go off the scene. I'm not going to be here long. But I'm going to give this commission to the church, to us, to connect Church Tupelo, to you and I. That's why we're here. This is why God has saved us, and this is why he's put us here, because of what Paul's about to tell them. And that verse right there, 2 Corinthians 5.15, is where I want to kind of press in today and lead in and talk about that and explain to us this very next question, Doug. How do I live out the Great Commission as a church? How do we do that? I mean, I understand we're supposed to come to church, we're supposed to have worship, we're supposed to take up an offering, you have youth ministry, all this. I get all that. But Doug, how do we live out the Great Commission as a church, and how do we make sure we are not neglecting our responsibility? Well, this is what you have to understand. The moment you asked Christ to come into your heart, the moment you became a follower of Christ, God uniquely shaped you, and he called you, and he gave you all of Christ. You didn't get part of Christ, you got all of Christ. And with all of Christ, you got a new identity. It's in Christ, and you have the bucket of supplies, if you wish, like my dad used to leave us when he said, clean the house. You've got everything you need to be effective in reaching the world with the gospel. That's already there, and that's what Paul is telling the church. I love what Rick Yancey said, great author. If you ever get a chance to read some of his books, he was in government, great guy. God doesn't call the equipped, he wrote. God equips the called. He says, and you have been called, close quote. Love it. That's awesome. You see, Paul's reminding the church at Corinth of this awesome responsibility. And if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 15, I love what it says. Paul's like, hey, selfie generation, TikTok, all that. Paul goes, guys, he, Christ, died for all. Not some, all. Even the ones we don't like. He died for them. So that those who live, that's you and I, we've been revived. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but the moment we receive Christ as our Savior, we now live in Christ. We have eternal life, right? For those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. That's our marching orders from Paul. So we just passed the resurrection. We are alive because he is alive. And now Paul says, because you are alive, it's time to not live for yourself, but for him who died and was raised from the dead. So that's why we're here. Paul says, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Christ. And he says, remember, in verse 17, if you go to the next part, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. Say it out loud with me. The old has passed. Behold, the what? New has come. How many are happy about that? 
Man, I'm excited about that. Amen. I mean, all your trespasses and sin, they're under the blood. They've been forgiven. And now he sets you free to be able to walk in your new identity, join a D group, learn how you can continue to grow, and then live out the Great Commission. So then Paul does something absolutely fascinating. Paul says, guys, here's the deal. You're not to live to yourself. You're to live for him who died and was raised for you. But I need you to understand that because you are in God's family, God has given you five things that you need to be able to carry out the Great Commission. So these five things are our bucket of supplies, our, our, our pine saw and everything else, or all the cleaning supplies, they're in there. Let's look at them real quick, all right? First thing is this. Paul says, look, he's given you an exceptional team. How many, I'm getting ready to date myself. How many of you remember the dream team, Olympics? How many are old enough to remember that? How many young people have no clue what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay. What year was that, Terry? I'm trying to remember. That was back in 83. That's right. In 83, the U.S. formed a dream team. Was it Michael Jordan on that? Um, 93. I'm sorry. Yeah, because Michael Jordan was. So 93, there was like every good player from every team you could, you could think in the U.S. basketball team was on that team. And we went over there and we mopped the floor with them. It's like everybody was pumped. Dream Team USA. And those dudes came back and man, they, if they blew their nose in a tissue, they made money off of it. I mean, because they were like gods. I mean, these guys were unbelievable. Well, God has given you and me the dream team. Now let's look what that is. Notice verse 18. Paul says all this, this whole idea of the message and the gospel and everything is from God. So it's not your idea. It's not my idea. It's God's idea, right? Who through Christ, has plugged us back into himself. So what sin unplugged, Jesus Christ took you, he took God, and he plugs you back together through him. Get it? Christ is the conduit. Through Christ, he plugs you back together, and he says, and reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I am a believer, a follower of Christ? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. How many would say, Doug, I know that I know that I am in full-time ministry? Raise your hand. Okay, let's read this verse. <laughs> in all this, read it with me out loud, is what? Through Christ, who what? Recon from God, through Christ, who reconciled us, say it with me, to himself, and gave the? Okay, how many are in full-time ministry? You better get your hands up. Whether you like it or not, if you're enjoying salvation, you're in full-time ministry. And that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Now, there's two types of people. There's the believers that are doing their ministry, and there's the believers that aren't. Simple. We have a tremendous team. Who is it? Well, we have God. He's the main one, his idea. You have Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. And with them too comes the third part of the, now the first, the first service, nobody answered this. And I was scared, okay? So I'm gonna ask you this one. So we have God, he's the first part. You have Jesus Christ. And then with them too comes the third part is who? See, 
Terry, these are the way more spiritual ones. The Holy Spirit. And then he partners with you and I. So we have four. We have God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, us. And we are the hands and feet of the Great Commission. We carry it out. I love, love, love what um, Annie Johnson said, and I don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. She said, Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bibles the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with other work than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongue is speaking of things his lips would spurn? How can we hope to help him or welcome his return? Wow. So we are his hands and feet. You say, well, you mean to tell me God can't do this without me? No, he can. He's God. But he's invited you in to partner with him as a church, to take the gospel to all nations, to the end of the earth, to all nations. Notice the second thing he's given us. We have an awesome team. We are the hands and feet. But then we have a location. I mean, he's really specific. You can't mess this one up, right? Look at our location in verse, uh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Say it out loud. In, and in, and, and. Now, where's the ends of the earth? Good, because I don't know either. But it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Luke chapter 24, verse 47 says it this way uh, in the Gospels. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name where? To all nations, all ethnos, all languages, all people groups, even the ones you don't like. It's easy today to get very polarizing. Watch the news, get all jacked up but it doesn't negate our responsibility of taking the gospel to the whole world. So our location's everywhere. Third, look at our message. Very simple, powerful message. Verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconnecting the world to himself through Christ, not counting their trespasses against them. And wow, this is heavy. Say it with me. Entrusting to us out loud the message of reconciliation. You're just like, okay, Doug, get it. All right, I'm supposed to carry out the Great Commission. I'm supposed to love my neighbors and myself, carry out the Great Commission. I got that. And I understand we have a great team, and I get that, and I get the fact that it's locations everywhere. Got it. But what am I going to say? Paul tells us. Look at verse 21. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, you ready? We're going to take a quick lesson on sharing the gospel, okay? Say it with me out loud. Everybody read this verse. For our sakes, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. Isn't that awesome? How many have done that? How many have received the gospel? Then you just tell somebody about it. 
You share that with them. That is our hope. And so if you're here this morning, and maybe somebody brought you, you're visiting, or maybe this is the second, third time you come. Maybe you came last week and you came back, and you're like, man, okay, dude, this is all kind of weird for me. I'm showing up, and you're talking about this whole thing of like a commission and going around the world, and dude, I I just want to come to church. That's all I want to do. Let me explain something to you real quick. For you, where you want to start this morning is just being able to answer this one question, and this is it. Are you a child of God? Are you a follower of Christ? And if you're not, can I tell you this morning that God is madly, deeply in love with you? He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you came from. He doesn't care anything about that. In fact, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, the sin was there. Christ died for us. He didn't die for the good people. He died for the messy people. How many are messy this morning? Turn to somebody and say, I'm messy. All right, they know that, especially if it's your spouse. We're messy. And so, he died for you. And if you this morning will just humble yourself and say, God, man, I don't know like the the perfect prayer to pray or anything because it ain't there. But man, I I believe, I, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. You know, the Bible says that if you do that, He'll come into your heart. He'll be your Savior. So I encourage you to do that. Notice the third thing that he's given us. He's given us a team. He's given us a location. He's given us a message. And then fourth thing, I'm sorry, fourth thing, he's given us a role. How many have been at your job and you're like, man, I've been here eight years, eight years, eight years. I've been at Chick-fil-A three years and I still haven't gotten a black shirt. slaving, making them money. I've been at my job. Yeah, they give me a raise. They're just trying to keep me happy. I want director. Well, I got some good news for you. You may not get it at your job, but in Christ, he gave you a role. So you feel important. And that role, check it out. Second Corinthians. Therefore, we are what? Say it. That is a big role. Do y'all know what an ambassador is? An ambassador, the U.S. has ambassadors in every country, well, most every country, and they represent the interest of the U.S. in that country because the president can't be everywhere. So they have an embassy. It's kind of like this room. And the soil underneath that embassy is U.S. soil. Like that is U.S. property. The laws of of that country do not apply to that soil. That's why Jason Bourne went to the embassy to try to get out, right? Brother Jason, what? No? Okay, no, okay, anyhow. That's why, because if you can make it to the embassy, you're in your country. The ambassador is in there, but can I tell you something? His job isn't just to sit in the embassy and hang out with the, ambas- the embassy people. It's like, oh, this is so cool. He has to get in a convoy and go around and take care of the interest and meet with uh, directors and meet with government officials and say, hey, the president would like to know if you could do this. The president wants to do this. Is there any way we can do that? That's what the embassy does. And God, notice what he says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then I love what John 15, 16, notice what it says. He says, you didn't choose me. 
but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go, that you should bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give you. Now, let me just use you guys real quick. Come here real quick, if you can. Stand right here. Can you come here real quick? Just, uh, Andrew, can I use, or let me use, I can use somebody else. It's all right. Okay, so check this out. Dude, I'm on the second step. Step, and we're still the same height. All right. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Quit rubbing it in, Andrew. And appointed you, I appointed you, that's heavy, to go so I reach him for Christ. He turns around and he reaches him. That's called bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Do you see that? The gospel is about multiplication, discipleship. Thank you, guys. So can I ask you a question? When you look back at your legacy, when you look back at what you've obtained, which everything you've obtained is going to stay behind, when you look back, do you have remaining fruit? It's just something to think about. You see, we're ambassadors for Christ, and therefore we cannot hide in the embassy. It's great to come to church, but this is just like, kind of like the embassy. This is where we talk about things that we're going to go out and do in the world and reach people, and this is where we get pumped up and we celebrate God's presence, but it doesn't end there. The moment we walk out this door, we are going into the mission field, and guess what? Tomorrow when you go to work, that job that annoys you, that is your mission field. You have a key fob. I can't get into your job. You can. And you know why sometimes you hate it? Because it's the mission field. Can I tell you how many times as a missionary on Monday I want to quit? When you find out you've been bathing with your sewage? Are you kidding me? No, like seriously. The stuff that's discouraging, that's called the mission field. And he's called us, he's placed us as ambassadors. And then notice the last thing. He gave us a team, he gave us uh, a location, he gave us a message, he gives us a role, and here's our reason. This is why we do what we do. Now I sounded like Paul Blart. Why do we do what we do? Okay, sorry. Um, here's our reason. We have a clear reason for accomplishing. What is it? Notice, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, guys, don't miss this. For it is all for your sake so that the, as the grace, as salvation, as the gospel, as God's grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, the more people we tell about the gospel and the more people that come to Christ, more glory goes to God and there's more voices yelling, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it pleases him. And it's like a smelling offering, a smooth smelling offering to his nose. Because that is why we carry the gospel. It's for God's glory. You see, there's not much glory for you. Because you didn't do anything. We're recipients of a free gift. You didn't earn it. The glory goes to God. And can I tell you something? The hardest thing you'll ever do is step out by faith and say, I'm going to be a conduit, an ambassador for Christ to the whole world. I know that sounds crazy. You're like, what? I mean, me? I was raised in Tupelo, man. 
I've barely even left the state. Are you saying I'm going to make an impact for the world? That's what God said. Do you believe what God said? Yeah. But the hardest thing you'll do is just put your yes on the table and say, God, here I am. I remember when we had to do that. My wife and I had come back to the States, had left the mission field for a little while, and we went to Wilson, North Carolina to be on staff. We had to leave because of some security issues in Mexico. The embassy said, you have to exit. And we came back to the States. But then six years later, my wife and I felt God prompting us to go back into missions, and God said, look, you know the language. You're responsible. You're responsible to carry the gospel. You're fluent. That's your first language. Go reach your people. And so we told Rusty, we said, Rusty, that's where Aaron's at, uh, Terry's son. We're going back. We sold our house. That was our first house we'd owned. We'd been married 11 years. First house had carpet. We couldn't do sliding. I mean, but, but it was okay. Had carpet. You know, to us, it was like my wife had started her business as a, a, a naturopathic doctor and um, doing well, 300 patients. Clinic was growing. We are doing good. Health insurance. Peace Church takes good care of their people. God said, forsake all, go. No hesitation. My wife said, yeah, let's do it. We got to go. We gave her business away to another uh, physician's assistant. They still have it today. Loaded up everything. We, we couldn't sell our house. Listen, we had to pay 10 grand out of our pocket to get rid of our house. That's back when 2014, when it was terrible. Not today. Good Lord. The roll of toilet papers were, yeah. <laughs> so... I remember loading everything into a 26-foot Penske truck, everything we owned, and moving to Texas. And honestly, we had no clue what it was going to look like. We just knew God had called us. We were going to open indigenous church planting. I took this picture um, when my daughter was asleep. The kids took turns riding with me in the Penske truck. I took the picture of Josie when she was asleep. And um, it was emotional. I still get choked up when I talk about it. Because I had asked her to trust dad as dad was trusting God to leave her friends, leave her school, leave her church, and come with me. I asked Josh, Josh, dude, you're 13. I need you to leave everything. It was hard on him. I'm not going to lie. He got depressed. It was a hard time. Ben, who cares about Ben? He's the youngest. You know, he sits in the ashtray. Uh, but Ben, he would go wherever he goes. I said, God, are you sure? I mean, did we make the right decision here? Are you sure? But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt there was peace in my heart that we were to reach the nations. Forty church plants later, 18,000 people who've come to Christ. 14,500 who are attending right now as we're sitting here in a small group in a church service. 27 training centers later with 536 couples, students, bivocational studying. I think we made the right choice. But I didn't see it then. It scared me to death. So, you might be asking, Doug, where do I start? Like, okay, got it. I'm to take the Great Commission everywhere. Where do we start as a church? 
Well, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it's going to be a little different for you because you can't carry out a commission if you're not part of God's family. Does that make sense? In other words, you have to become a child of God. My dad didn't tell my neighbor's kids to clean the house. Got it? He told us. It wasn't the neighbor's kid's responsibility. And so you need to join the family. You can be adopted into the family of God this morning by just literally saying, I, I recognize I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me. Right where you're at. You, you, don't, you can do it now. You, you just believe that he is the son of God and that, that you are a sinner, that you need him and call out to him. But if you are a follower of God, um, you start with praying. Like, oh, come on, Doug, I know. No, no, like, like seriously. Start praying that God gives you a burden for the world. Turn off the news, please. They've got you hooked because of the ratings. That's all that matters. Yes, the world is a mess. Welcome to life. He says in the Bible it's going to be. Why are we shocked? But say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Pray for you. Matthew 9, 38, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest would send labors into the harvest. Remember that? And then the next chapter, like the next verse, he says, go into the world. I was telling the first service, was like telling my kid, come here, let's pray that somebody will take out this full trash. Let's pray. Okay, now take the trash out. Why did I just tell him? Well, could it be that God wants us to pray for ourselves? That our hearts would be in tune to him? Some of you this morning, you've kind of been on the sidelines. Maybe you need to join a D group and you need to start living in that purpose that God saved you for. So start praying. Say, God, I need you. Maybe he wants you to give. Give your time, your treasure, your talent. Maybe you have something very valuable to contribute to reaching people with the gospel. You're a medical uh, professional or you're not. Maybe you can build. Maybe you can cut grass. Who knows? Maybe you can cook. You've got something God needs to reach people with the gospel. We got to think outside the box here. Maybe he wants you to give part of your finances to world missions. You see, your time, your treasure, your talent. Or maybe he wants you to go. Whoa, time out. I'll pray and I'll give, but I ain't going. Did you know going equals making disciples? That's what that means. So maybe this morning God wants you to sign up. Maybe come tonight, come back tonight. And we'll talk about the mission trip. Maybe just go check it out. See what God does here. Well, no, you know, no. It's, it's too much money. I'd rather just give that to the missionary. They can use it a lot better. Well, time out. A mission trip isn't about the money. It's about your heart. You spend that money to say, God, work in my heart. And so maybe God needs to do that. And so this is my challenge for you this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Um, maybe God is speaking to you right now. And I want to pray for you. And I need you, please, to pray for me. I, like, seriously, I really do. We need prayer for protection. We need prayer for provision. We need prayer for personnel. We need more people to help us. But maybe you would join me. I'm going to be down here just for a second. Slip out of your seat and come and pray with me. Because I need you to pray for me and I want to pray for you and say, God, I'm just putting my yes on the table. Um, I wonder if you're here this morning and you say, Doug, God spoke to my heart. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm just praying that God would just speak to me. That's what I need about this issue. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down? Somebody like that. Pray for me, Doug. 
pray? Somebody this morning? Would you pray for me? God spoke to my heart. God, thank you so much for who you are. It's because of who you are that we are able to go and reach the world with the gospel. I pray that you would bless this invitation. Help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.